0: we're starting a new message series. Uh, We've just gone through uh, the whole Easter experience and uh, many of us have uh, gone through a prayer experience as well as we've uh, fulminated 40 days of dedicating uh, our lives to the Lord in prayer uh, through uh, the readings that we've done and, and draw the circle and through the messages that we've shared. And so hopefully we're all prayed up. Um, I know it's been, on my end, it's been a real blessing. I could just tell that people have been praying uh, for myself, for one another. And uh, you could definitely feel the effects of it. And I wanted to take that experience and I wanted to move past what we celebrated last week as we looked at the the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and uh, what the choir just sang about where the work that God has outlined for us began with his son, and it uh, is picked up by those uh, who are his followers subsequent to that. Now, if you know the storyline, you're aware that the book of Acts describes the gifting of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, 40 days after uh, the the, the whole experience of the, the resurrection. And as Jesus uh, went and ascended to be with the Father, seated uh, in the heavenlies on his throne, he allowed the Spirit to descend upon us to enable us to be the people that we we're called to be. And it goes back in my mind to the initial experience that Jesus had in the, gar- or in the, um, in, in the wilderness whenever he went out and got baptized by his cousin John the Baptist, And if you remember, the Holy Spirit came down uh, uh, upon him uh, following his baptism. And there was a voice that uh, came from heaven as the heavens opened up and said, This is my son. Uh, With him I am well pleased. Now, we as followers of Christ actually, I think, um, emulate that same pattern. uh, When we come to uh, know the Lord through obedience and through baptism... We're promised that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we're, we're pushed on into life as, as God's children to face all of the challenges and hopefully to bear witness to what Christ has done for us. So if you've caught all, if, if it's not too early for you to catch all of that, um, what I wanted to do was go back to that moment where after the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus was led into the wilderness uh, to face 40 days of, of testing and of temptation. And as I think about that experience, I sometimes wonder, God, why is it that we are tested? Why is it that we have temptations? And the, 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 the answer to, to all of it, um, and, and it's really the answer to the message series, is that God wants us to, wants to see whether or not you and I are walking into the new life that we have been called to live. Um, because it's like anything, uh, any, anybody ever buy a car that was the first edition of that, the, the, the redesign? And if you've ever done that, um, which, which I, I hesitate to do, but we did it one year, we bought a new car, it was the first of its kind, and would you know it, there were a lot of bugs that had to be worked out. Uh, the motor mounts, uh, turns out, were, were kind of bad on that car. There were some issues with the safety restraints. Um, the the engine actually had um, a, a mechanical issue that, that needed to be resolved. And you almost felt like, yeah, you're the guinea pig for the people that buy the next year's version of that same car. And so after trips to the dealer and uh, through lots of inconvenience, the dealer or the, the factory works out all the bugs on the car so that next year um, it runs a lot better. So, I, I, I took note of that one time and I said if I ever buy an, another new car, um, and it's a pretty rare thing, I'm going to wait until that car has had a couple of years in that design before uh, I buy it because I'm, I, I want them to test it to make sure that everything that is critical is resolved. And so when my wife um, wanted to get a, a, a Toyota, um, I said, alright, we're gonna we're gonna buy that car because that's, they've been doing that one for a while. They've, they've got it pretty solid. And, and as it turns out, uh, in that case we haven't had all of those issues because they've been working on that same particular model for almost five years before we bought it. What is the point of all that? It just means that when something is new and it is being tried, uh, it, it begins to show up that there are shortcomings. There are, there are things that need to be refined. And, you know, when God allows you and I to come into his family, it's a done deal. We're adopted. There's no question about it. But what God wanted to do was show us something that as you begin to walk into the new life of being part of the family of God, there's going to be testing. There's going to be testing to ask the question, do you know for certain that you belong? In God's mind, it's resolved. For many of us, it's not. One of the most difficult ways that I can also set this up is... A, a, through the death that my, my wife's family had experienced with her mother uh, last year. And two of the siblings, uh, my wife included, have a very strong relationship with the Lord and a deep confidence that one day they will see her again. There's another family member who is not, is not aware of all of those realities and is just stuck in their grief. And the family member had called my wife up a couple of weeks ago and said, how does it feel to be an orphan? Because um, this family member was so close uh, to Mandy's mother that her departure just left a big, empty void. And Mandy's response was, I don't feel like I'm an orphan because I have a Heavenly Father. And it was just a natural response to a question that I think a lot of us have. When our earthly parents are gone, are we truly orphans? And from God's point of view, if we are adopted into His family, we're not. But if we are not part of God's family, we have this sense that it's just me versus the world now. And whenever we go through different trials in life, God is asking each of us do you know who you are do you trust that I am your father and I have the very best interest in seeing you do well well I want to tell you a third story before I get to the scripture and that is i 've got some cuts and bruises on my hands my my son Christian is doing a project down at Ohio State in, in Knowlton uh, School of Architecture, and he's, he's wanting to do this over-the-top structure so he can do this presentation based on all this research that he's done. And he said, Dad, is this doable? And I said, well, anything's doable, it just depends on how much time and money that you have. Well, he secured the money through a grant for this structure that he wanted, wants to build for a display that he's going to be doing. And um, if any of you know my son, Christian, he's just a type A-driven guy. And he said, Dad, can you come down and help me? So I, I went down and uh, stayed all night, Friday night, and then we got up early and we started to go to work on it. And as we're working on this structure, I'm asking myself the question, how much of this do I want to do and how much of it do I want him to do? Well, the real answer is I want him to do it all and I just want to supervise. However, he kind of drew me into this experience because... Like any father, I want to see him do well, and I want to do everything that I can to enable him to do well. But the problem sometimes is if you're ever a parent doing a project for your kids. You ever done this? Have a kid say, can you help me with this project? And then all of a sudden, you're doing the project, and they're standing back, and they're being the supervisor. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen a few times, and I've learned my lesson. And I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. And as a matter of fact, you're going to lead. And you're going to learn and you're going to grow through this. And I just learned that through the school of Hart Knox, raising three kids. Now, when God calls us into his family, he doesn't do it all for us. Rather, he allows us to go through things. He's always there. He's always watching us. He's always encouraging us. Matter of fact, He's given us His Spirit to enable us, to empower us, but He's not going to do the work for us. And when Jesus was called to do His ministry, beginning with baptism, and being sent into the wilderness, He could have done this. He could have said, guess what everyone? I'm the Son of God. And... Everybody needs to make a big deal about it because I'm a dignitary. But he didn't do it that way. He did it the way that we all sort of have to do. And that was he got called into ministry. got called into the way of life through baptism. And then he was given the responsibility of being trustworthy and obedient through a process of testing. I want to pick up today from a passage of scripture found in the book of Luke. It's also found in Matthew 4 and it's found in, in Mark 1. It is that important. And it's the story of Jesus being tested. And so we pick it up here. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, you're welcome to follow along. But Jesus just being baptized, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, if if, if you're who people are saying that you are, Command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, I will give you all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then he took him to Jerusalem and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of, if, if you are the son of God... Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Him until an opportune time. Now why in the world... Did God prompt Jesus through the Holy Spirit to go through that experience? I I honestly believe there are a lot of reasons, but the ones I want to look at today have to do with you and I. One of the things that Jesus needed to show us was that He was sent from God who was so in love with us, His creation that he's made in his own image, but are terribly misguided and lost. He's so in love with us that he sent his son into the world to show, embedded in the very circumstance that we are in, the way out. And there's nothing like the credibility of somebody who comes alongside you and helps you with what you're facing. And Jesus was in the process of establishing that credibility. You ever been in a place where things are so difficult that you, 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 you kind of look to God and you say, God, I know you love me, I know you forgive me, or I know that you have the ability to help me through this, but you don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through here in my relationship with my spouse, in a job situation where it's oppressive, or I'm dealing with physical uh, issues that are debilitating. God, you don't understand. And you can just go through the list of things that you and I face in life where there are unique experiences and we say to ourselves sometimes, I want to take this to God, but I don't know that he clearly understands. But the thing is, if you pay careful attention to the life of Jesus, you will find that he immersed himself in a series of life circumstances very very similar, although in a different place and time, the circumstances that you and I go through, that when he did that, he was showing us that he understands. He understands that he understands what it's like to have family members. that that maybe you're estranged with. He understands what it's like to lose a friend. He understands what it's like to experience betrayal from people that are close to you. He understands it all. And this is the beginning place where he shows us that he truly understands what you and I go through in life. And when, like so many of us, he was tested or tempted to say, I am a child of God, but I want to, I'm going to behave like the world. He was showing us that with the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to do that. But I think a lot of us feel like If you're like me, you came up out of the baptistry and you're like, yeah, this is exciting. I'm so stoked about being part of God's family. And then you find a week or two later, you're back to old habits and old patterns of behavior and you're thinking, man, I feel so ashamed. Or, man, I I feel like nothing has changed. And what Jesus is showing you and I is that we grow into change. We grow in our understanding of who God is who we are in Christ, and we just get better. My, my, my son was working on this piece of wood that uh, he had to do some work on down in the wood shop while I was working in this area last night. And while he was away, um, I, I, I work around hand tools just enough to be dangerous sometimes. And, and I jammed a screw into my, into my hand. And I'm like, that didn't feel good. And I'm like, I pulled it out. And I'm like, i got to keep working. So then it starts bleeding. And I'm like, I hope nobody sees this. Uh, and, and it finally stopped. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I've, I've done this for so long, you think I would know better than to jam a screw into my hand. But, you know, I got careless and I got in a hurry and it happened. Well, he comes back, and he's got his hand all wrapped up in a towel. And I'm like, and it's kind of reddish. And I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, it's not that bad. And he just kept on working. I said, no, what did you do? I said, uh, he said, well, you know, I I just kind of cut myself working on some stuff. I said, had you ever done that stuff that you're working on before? No. And that's probably why I cut my hand. I didn't have the experience. I said, is it worse than what I have here? And he's like, yeah, maybe a little bit I said do we need to get stitches no nah, maybe some super glue or something and then I'm like all right so my point being you know he's he's been learning to work with wood tools and all that stuff and like anything you make your mistakes but if you've ever done that kind of stuff you could probably raise your hand and say yeah pastor I've got the scars I've done the working I got better over time but I definitely made a lot of mistakes And what Jesus wanted to show us was he would be tested like any other person. But because he was so dedicated towards the obedience that he was called to have to the Father, he of all people had learned the fine art of doing it right the first time. And in this testing, he gives a little bit of a clue as to how he was able to do that. Did you notice that every time the devil said if you are the son of God questioning whether or not he was even part of God's family God's child like us if that's really true because he likes to cause us to question whether or not we're really Christians if that's true then take this stone and remake it into bread. And it was just his way of saying why don't you use the abilities that the Father's given you for your own purposes, for your own agenda? That's, that's really how you need to do it. And Jesus is like, I've got to tell you something. I see what you're up to. And from my point of view, no question, my stomach's growling right now. But my purpose here is to prove to myself and to prove to other people around me But it's not so much about me anymore as being obedient to the Father. And when I am, he blesses me so richly. But I've got to tell you this. When I go to the scripture, it says, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I want you to get that as we're thinking about this test that Jesus is facing and any test that you may be facing. Because I know that everyone in here is either going through a test, has gone through a test, or, I hate to break the bad news to you, will be facing a test. It is just the nature of life. But you know what tests do? They help us to be strong. And Jesus was strong out of the gate because, well... He learned to trust the Word of God. He learned to read it. And he learned to allow it to work through his life. It defined the boundaries for his life. And have you ever heard that word boundaries before? I don't know if you ever have or not. But it's just a way of saying there are places where I'm responsible and there are places where I'm not responsible. There are places that I can go and there are places that I I, I can go but I shouldn't go. And over time, you just learn to live within your boundaries. I mean, if you're an adult male and you see an attractive female that's not your wife, but the world says you can, you can sleep with her, then by all means, you should. But something about boundaries says, no, there's a covenant here and... It needs to be honored. Then there are are other things that that come into our lives. We we maybe we decide we're going to we're going to have a little bit to drink, but the scripture says, "Well, drunkenness is a way of just losing control." And your boundaries say, "Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to stay in the spirit of God and stay in control. The self-control is the fruit of the spirit." and you just take anything that you do in life that begins to undo you, chances are you've crossed a boundary. And it may be because you don't know what the Word of God says about it. In the passing of the Israelites in the wilderness, Deuteronomy 6 through 8 parallel this story. And at every time that The Israelites were tested as they were brought up out of the water. You remember the Red Sea. They were hungry. And they cried out to God. And they complained to God. And God gave them manna and he provided for them. And they still complained. And it was like they've kind of failed the test. And there were other circumstances that parallel this test. Matthew does a good job in how he describes this temptation and testing of Jesus. And as he does, he says, you know, you're going to, you can have all of this. The devil says to Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. And you remember what they did in the wilderness? They kind of pushed God and his word out of the way and they decided they would set up a golden calf. And they worshipped it in all of the paganism that was associated with it. They failed the test. And if you look at... Um, Uh, these temptations relative to Israel, I'm not going to go into it too much, you know that the things that happened to them were the things that happened to Jesus, and in their own form they happened to us. Because Jesus had the Word of God in his heart, because he was familiar with it, he knew what to do. The Israelites, although they got in trouble... They were still kind of learning it as well. And we're on the other side of all of that. We've heard the stories. We've read the Bible. We've seen the Israelites. We've seen Jesus. And God is saying, how much more have we been given? How much more the Word of God enables us? And I think about how God works in your life and mine. And we live in a time when there is so much information so many people telling us what to do and how to live, so many voices that are out there i 'm almost at a place in life where I just want to read my Bible because i 've heard so many voices from so many places you get confused in all the cacophony it 's the one thing that keeps us on track when I was in and when I was a college age student and I started attending. Uh, my home church, Broadway Christian Church. They put me in a class full of uh, college-age students. And I actually became pretty good friends with, uh, with my peers. Um, and, and in the process, it's been interesting, 30 years, 30 some years afterwards, to see how they all began to unfold their lives. And one of them, his, his name was, was Dale, and his dad was an elder uh, in the church. And Dale had political aspirations. And before I know it, in his in his late 20s, uh, he's running for state representative. And I'm asking myself, I, I'm a little cynical when it comes to politicians. How true is my friend Dale going to stay to his Christian convictions in that environment? And the reason I ask is, I know the minute that he was elected into office as a representative, he was getting phone calls. And the voices were saying, you know, Dale, now that you're on our team, we have some, we have some pretty strong interests that would like to see some policy making go in this direction. You know, Dale, now that you are on our team, we have some enemies that we have over here that have been working against the cause that we're trying to promote, They're still in some ways uh, maybe loosely associated with our team, but they're not getting it done and so we need to push them aside. You know what, Dale? Whenever you have all this power and everything like that, you would be surprised at the number of people that will just give you all kinds of gifts to do things that they hope, whenever the time comes, will be a gift in return. And another, another representative, come up to my friend Dale and say, you know what, whenever you're away from your wife for, for days and weeks on end, well, there's other females that you can spend time with, you should do that. And you can imagine all of these voices in Dale's mind when he's an elected official, when in reality what he wanted to do was based on a lot of the things that we talked about in the college age class where these are problems that we saw happening in the, in, the, in, in the state and in the world around us. These are issues that we would like to see something done that it could be a better day for a lot of people. All of these ideals. And when Dale was elected, I'm sure he thought, because he won by a pretty good margin, all of these people want me to serve them. And pretty soon, all of those ideas that were generated in that setting began to get cluttered with the ideas of people who had other things in mind. Now, the thing I can say about Dale, as far as I know, he went on to be a representative for for a number of terms and then went on to be a state senator. But he's always been a part of his church. He's always been active in his church. And as far as I know, he's kept his life from scandal. Now, how you do that in Illinois... I have no idea <laughs> because uh, but the true test is, is he making license plates after 30 years or is he serving in a way that's respectable? And I have to sense that there came a time when he had to make a choice, either be true to his identity as a son of God and live accordingly or to try to live in two different worlds and two different minds but if you've ever tried to live in two different minds it doesn't work the bible uses a phrase called double minded you ever heard of that phrase before it means that in one one situation you're one person and in another situation you're another person What, what would a psychologist call that right? Two different people. And if you're dedicating half your brain to one and half your brain to the other, you can't do either one very well. And so what God calls us to do is to begin to establish boundaries of what we will do and what we won't do. And when you begin to do that, you make your choices and then your choices start to make You. Now what if Dale had gone into politics and he had found a savvy way to bamboozle his constituency and his wife and at the same time play the game of Springfield slash Chicago. My guess is over time people would start to see the clues, they'd start to do the math and they'd start to realize He says one thing but he's another and the one thing that God wants people to say about you and I is that we say one thing and we do the same thing we are who we say we are and if you're a part of a family then you try to behave like the expectations of the family are are supposed to be in this case, God saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I want to say with all of my heart, with you I'm well pleased. But the only defense that we have in order to live a life that is honorable is to stay rooted in the Word and stay in tune with the Spirit. It is exactly what Jesus did, and it is exactly what defined Him as a human being, define Him as the Son of God, and defines Him as our God. God has given us everything that we need to stay true to our identity in Him. The Word establishes a relationship. The relationship is defined by a covenant. And every week, if you look at this table behind me, We look at a glass of juice that represents the blood of Christ and we look at a loaf of bread that represents the body of Christ and it is a tradition that is established as a ritual in the church so that we remind ourselves every week when we look at those two things because of Jesus and the covenant that he has made with us I am a child of God. I am a new creation. I've been given a second chance. And I have the Holy Spirit to enable me, and I have the Word of God to instruct me. And if, if there's one thing that, 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 I, that I don't want you leaving here feeling is I'm not perfect, Pastor, and this is too heavy. The important thing about the covenant, it is based on grace. But there's also an expectation that if we walk into this new family and into this new covenant, we'll begin to guard our boundaries. We'll begin to protect that identity. We'll begin to just walk in a way that creates new habits where we are embracing the things of God and sort of shedding the things that used to matter that don't anymore. Josh and I had an interesting talk this morning. We were talking about the stuff that we have and I said the older I get, the less stuff I want because I just don't have time to manage it anymore. And you find over time that you just look at the things that are important and you realize that's about all I have time and energy and attention to manage. And God ultimately says, I'm just pruning stuff away from your life that doesn't fit anymore. And if you're walking with Him, and you begin to walk into the boundaries that He's created, your life begins to reflect those characteristics in such a way that all the choices that you're making in Him begin to make you. And I know there, there are sins that we struggle with, and there are things that we have in our lives that we... We we, we look forward to the day when it is no longer something that we have to contend with. I would just say that just keep walking in Him. Keep walking towards obedience. Keep the Scripture in your heart. Keep your prayer life alive. And know that when you make a mistake, you're forgiven. And just keep moving in that direction. And one day you'll be like, man, I've left a lot of baggage on the road along the way because I've just pulled it from my life. It no longer fits the boundaries of my life. And I'm glad that God worked in my life at that critical time where I began to fall away from those things that distracted me and had no value. And I began to walk into those things filled me with life life eternal with purpose with joy with peace with God's love and with blessing and a blessed life I'm so grateful and when Jesus went through his whole experience here on earth he did it to show us there is a way and it's through him the blessing cross is a reminder of the forgiveness that we've received because of the things that we've done to, to, to not only offend God, but to align ourselves with forces that work against us, to bring death. And as he offers that image to us, he says it's a reality that begins to define you and change you. And when he moves us to an empty tomb, he says there's a new life, and I'm the first one, and if you follow me, You'll be one with me. And it starts now. The change, the transformation, the resurrection begins in this life and it ultimately reaches its complete and total fulfillment in the life that is yet to come. So as Jesus went on that journey in the wilderness, he's calling us to come alongside him telling us he'll never leave us he'll never forsake us and he will always provide a way and I wonder do you trust him for the journey have you began to identify where your boundaries are who you are and can you say I am a child of God in case anybody's wondering I wanted to invite you to that family because it's a wonderful family to be a part of not perfect this side of eternity, but it is hopefully on the road to becoming what we need to become.